keep Rayman Digital on the air by pledging to our Patreon page. Uh, your continued support allows us to continue to make great content and offer even better features in the future. Help us keep the lights on in the studio by pledging one to ten dollars a month. Go to patreon.com slash Rainman Digital to pledge. Warning from the back to tank contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue. We would be honored if you would join us. Workups on your condition indicate that all damage has been reversed. Recovery is total. I believe you have been quite fortunate. No further thanks are necessary, Commander, but you are most welcome. It is my function and pleasure as a medical droid to help and heal human beings. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. All right, hello, welcome everyone to Star Wars from the Back to Tank. I am Michael, your host, and in the studio is David. Hello. Hello there. Okay, so today, Dave, we're going to be sorting through the latest Star Wars news. It's been a while since we've done an update show, mostly because we've been very busy with Bounty Hunters as well as the Bad Batch, and surprisingly, News has been a bit light from the Star Wars side over the last couple of months. But recently, we have been given a surge, or there has been a surge of Star Wars news now surfacing. So let's start with the Acolyte news and the controversy. Of course, we can never just enjoy anything. (laughs) We can't. For some reason, the Star Wars fandom can never enjoy things. We have to complain before something's even there. And I'm not going to sit here, Dave, and pretend there aren't things to complain about. I stand by some of the complaints. I'm not going to let it ruin Star Wars as an experience for me, like some of these fans do. But I definitely understand the argument of some people. And because of that, it seems like because of this disgruntlement in this new era of Star Wars, it seems like many people are just ready to just blow up and explode. It's like, oh, fucking here we go again. Kathleen Kennedy and Lucasfilm fucking things up. Haven't they learned their lesson? And I will be completely honest. And I'm definitely edging the audience right now, Dave, on what I'm talking about. I heard people like edging. Edging is fun sometimes. (laughs) Edging is fun. I was also a victim of this headline because I am guilty, I should say, of reading just the headline and getting upset. (laughs) <laughs> but as I was preparing for the show, like I do, I thoroughly read through all the news articles. So I have the entire picture. Now, there was a headline that just took the Internet by storm when it comes to Star Wars fans that said there are writers on Acolyte, which is the upcoming Disney Plus series that will explore their darker side of the force. Essentially. There's a rumor I said the writers were not fans of Star Wars. In fact, one writer had to ask if Luke and Leia were brothers <laughs> and sister. Yes. And that's the headline that was put out there. And it was very clickbaity because, it, yes, there is truth to that. But I was a bit confused because I remember specifically talking about the showrunner 
for the Acolyte and being a huge fan of her. And I was also very happy that she is an avid Star Wars fan. That's what she said. And it wasn't the usual, yeah, I watch Star Wars. I like it. It was, I'm an uber nerd Star Wars fan. I love it. Yes. So I was a little confused. But she does clarify a few things. She explains that there's a strength of having non-Star Wars fans on staff. Now, that doesn't mean they hate Star Wars. It just means they're not... Uh, Star Wars fans. They're not Star Wars fans. They're not completely in the know of everything Star Wars. And she says that there is a benefit to having that. And without even getting into the article, Dave, I would agree with this. Now, as long as the runner, the showrunner themselves understands Star Wars and is a fan of Star Wars and understands everything about it, the nuances, all that good stuff, that it doesn't matter if there's a, a writer or two in that room that doesn't fully understand Star Wars or yes. have spent the last 30 plus years delving into Star Wars mythos. It doesn't yeah. matter because it just matters what the leader does and says. Exactly. Because like you have to understand that having a person who has an outside influence or outside out, uh, outsider vantage point to a story is absolutely valuable because they can see things that a, a writer who's actually a hardcore Star Wars fan and thinking that, oh, I got to make this work for the canon. I got to mm -hmm. think about this. I got to think about this. Instead of focusing on what they're trying to protect, they're the person who has outside influence can z zero in just on the story, story zero in on the narrative well you and i were talking about this off air and the thing i said was it would be very hard for you and i now i can do it because i'm objective and i've done this type of stuff before however it would be quite a task to completely forget certain things in star wars because yeah. i feel like that's also a hindrance at times when you have so much headcanon going on when it comes to star wars it would conflict and possibly get in the way sometimes when you're trying to write a show. Oh yeah. I mean, I even think that, you know, the, the one person that I, uh, gravitate towards when it comes to the creative team in star Wars is Pablo Hidalgo, the walking encyclopedia of star Wars. Right. But if you notice, Pablo does not do a lot of writing. He doesn't do a lot of stories. But he is the guy that basically they, a lot of people go to and say, hey, does this work in the universe? And that's his strength. Why? Because he's the walking encyclopedia. Now, <laughs> exactly. Now, David, another example of this, if people want to cry about there being writers in this writing room that aren't fans of Star Wars or people who may not understand all the nuances. Christopher McQuarrie is not an uber star wars nerd <laughs> no he's not the guy is an uber writing nerd yes. who literally is a master of what he does he is so fucking good and he wrote rogue one the movie that every star wars fan seems to adore so i think people need to chill out and relax because what matters is who's directing and who's leading the series who's that's what matters I feel like this is a very smart strategy by Leslie Headland, the showrunner of Acolyte, because it brings a more diverse way of thinking into the writing room, who possibly, or I should say, that would actually deter potential writers from falling into common tropes 
things that we've seen in Star Wars for so long that we feel like it's natural and we just want it there. Mm-hmm. And sure, Star Wars is so big that it has become a genre in itself. I've said this before. And when you are a genre, there are certain tropes, themes, motifs that need to always be included in Star Wars, no matter what you're doing. But that doesn't mean every fucking trope possible. And that is a problem with certain Star Wars stuff where they try to do things the right way, but don't fully understand things. And suddenly it just comes off as hacky. I mean, my problem with the Mandalorian is it's literally Favaro trying to throw in everything that he likes as a Star Wars fan that he has seen before that <laughs> people have gravitated before. towards. It doesn't feel entirely unique at times. I feel like, it feels like a variation of something we've seen before. Yes. The best episodes of the Mandalorian are the ones that are written by new blood, people who are trying to do something new and also Filoni. Look what he did with Ahsoka. Ahsoka, that episode was everything Star Wars should be. And also at the same time, extremely unique. Yes. And that's why the Acolyte is in a very interesting, or I should say good territory here to have a showrunner that understands Star Wars, who loves Star Wars, and then she includes on her staff people that possibly can bring a different mindset to the table. Also, the 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 one thing too, I would I would hope that they're doing with Acolyte is not just she's not just looking at this as I'm going to bring in these random people together. Right. When it comes to a writer's room, you have to have chemistry with all the other writers. There can't be too much headbutting in that writing room. Because if there is, that's when you actually run into that problem. And bringing in a diverse group like that is so much, in my opinion, it's so much better than bringing in a room of uber uber geeks who yeah. have a knowledge of an entire franchise. Because you, you can if, get you can you can actually hinder your creative process sometimes. Exactly. Yeah. When you because do stuff like, like that, when you're when you're in a room. And, and for Star Wars fans out there that think that don't understand my my reasoning behind this, put all us put a group of Star Wars fans in one room and have them discuss about something. All of them would be yelling over, over each other. They would be clashing. They'd be saying, "Oh no, it has to go like this because of this, because of this, because of this." But if you have a diverse group that has at least a couple people who have that outside influence, the outsider can basically say. Okay, I understand your point, but let's bring it down to what is your story. I feel like debate in a writing room is good. You do need to You do. You do need to argue and prove why your story direction makes sense for whatever episode you're writing. Absolutely. However, when you're dealing with fans, a lot of it's times different. it's it's very different. It's not constructive. It's more it's more what a fan thinks needs to be in a show or a book or a comic book or a movie and less a bunch of writers saying, listen, this is what we're going to do. I don't really like this particular aspect. However, sell me on it and let me see if it will work. There is a lot to be said about constructive debate. And I feel like having a diverse writing room in there is actually going to create that. Yes. Yeah. So, okay. So in this article from Slash Film, Hedlin, who is a Star Wars mega fan, knows the value of having non-Star Wars junkies on her writing staff. And in a new interview, she talks about that, as well as modeling her showrunner style on the captain of a certain fictional space vessel. But it's probably not the one you're thinking of. 
Headland's upcoming show, The Acolyte, is described as a mystery thriller that will take viewers into a galaxy of shadowy secrets and emerging dark side powers in the final days of the High Republic era. That is such a good concept. It's a really, it sounds like a really good concept. And, and it sounds so different from a lot of her past projects because, I mean, if you're familiar with uh, Henlin's work, I mean, she, I believe she did Bachelorette, uh, Russian Doll. I fucking love that show. And it is uh, so good. I think the other one was Sleeping with Other People. And it's uh, hearing that concept that you just said is so different from anything she's worked on. Yeah. She's used to actually doing comedies. Right. However, there is a lot of, if you've watched Russian doll, there is a, a, definitely a vibe of, of comedy throughout, but there's also a lot of heart and a lot of meaning to what she was writing. Yes. And that's the reason why I am excited for her to be in charge of a star Wars show. I, I want to say that she is the most intellectual writer that Lucasfilm has hired to date. I would agree with that. And that's why the Acolyte has the ability to be one of the greatest things we've been given. Now, she says, first of all, I really wanted people that were different than me. I certainly didn't want a room full of people that were just agreeing with me. See, this is why I like her. She, you can't have people just agree with you. She's all, not ideologically, but artistically. People that kind of had different writing styles or were interested in different things, all that kind of stuff. Mostly what I looked for were people that I felt could execute a great script, which is number one. It is. That should be your priority when you're hiring writers in a television writing room. And then in the job interview, just really taking to people who had different life experiences than I did and had different connections to Star Wars than I did. Um, what I also learned about hiring my room is that everyone's fandom was very different. No one had the same experience with Star Wars. There were people like myself that were later in life. Uh, Dave Filoni, Acolytes, it says, I literally had one writer that was like, I never even seen any of them. I've never seen any Star Wars media. <laughs> and she's texting me before we started the room. She's like, Luke and Leia are brother and sister. What the? And then she laughs. And it was so great because I would really love to know from someone who is not fully immersed in this fandom. What do you think about the pitch we just made? So I don't find this problematic at all. No, no. the internet's making a big deal about it, but this is how a showrunner should, should be. Yeah. You know, the, the showrunner has to kind of be in good communications with his, his or her writing staff. And it sounds like she definitely has a good handle on her on her writer's room and she knows what she's looking for well she has a strategy and how often david do we hear a showrunner talk of strategy nowadays we just don't hear it only the good ones yeah only the good ones i mean and that that's why i have even more confidence now in this series not less unfortunately many of the star wars fans now who just read the headline are losing faith in the series but honestly they should have more faith in this series now especially after this last nugget that she dropped in all of us. And this comes in on the heels of the bad publicity due to the bait, the clickbait article, because now she, she follows up with the acolyte showrunner cites Phantom Menace as a creative influence for the series. (laughs) 
And if you wanted to get Star Wars fans, if you want to just smack that hornet's nest, she just did. Well, she, <laughs> she's uh, she does like some. She does like to shake things up a bit. Okay, well, let's talk about what she says first, and then we'll explore yeah. our thoughts on it because. I think this is an interesting aspect because it's all about how we got there. She wants to understand how the Jedi got to being how they were in the Phantom Menace. And that's her motivation mentally on how she's writing the Acolyte and how it pertains to the Jedi. Isn't that what I've been saying I wanted to see? Oh, yeah. Like, how did it change? How did they go from true peacekeepers of the galaxy, people who don't interfere in war to being a a tad bit egotistical at times, arrogant and being completely involved with a war. Now we understand the nuances of Palpatine's manipulation. We get that and how they were forced into a bad situation. But with this new recent era of the high Republic, it makes you wonder, well, would the Jedi of that time been as easily manipulated, manipulated as exactly. the Jedi of this time. So she's feeding into that quite a bit. Now she says, what I can say is the reason it did appeal to me personally is that I was 18 when Phantom Menace came out and I was very, I was a very, very big Star Wars fan. I remain a big Star Wars fan, but at that particular time, right after re- the releases and the fact that I was in high school, it just kind of coincided at a time where I was discovering who I was sexually. Oh shit. Let's get <laughs> sexy here. I was discovering who I was artistically. I was kind of realizing what I wanted to do with my life. And then this big, huge movie event, cultural event happened. That was the Phantom Menace. And I know there were varying reactions to it. And certainly there were a lot of people that had grown up with the original trilogy who were disappointed by it. But I actually was very intrigued by why George Lucas had started us at that particular point. I kind of wondered, but what happened to lead up to this that's the kind of where my star wars fan brain went was like how did we get here and why are the jedi like this when they're in power why are they acting this way and how is it that they're not having the reaction that you would think they would to anakin's presence and what qui-gon jinn is saying about how passionately he feels about the train about training him and bringing him into the fold. It's like even the discovery Darth Maul is kind of met with this like, hmm, interesting kind of feeling. So I just think for me, my brain has always buzzed around that area and wondered what's going on here or what has been going on here. She is tapped in to a very different side of Star Wars, Dave. Oh, yeah. The way that she is interpreting a lot of this is how I've always thought about it, too. There is absolutely a a, a little bit of a knowing there when Yoda and Mace Windu talk at the end of Phantom Menace and they talk about the Sith returning. Yes. And that famous scene where he basically says one of uh, a master and apprentice. There's not a lot of surprise there. It's almost like, hmm, let's see where this goes. And uh, possibly... They knew something of it, not saying they were bad or they were a part of it. I'm just saying it feels throughout the entire trilogy. There are illusions that the Jedi are aware of a little bit more than what they're stating overtly. Yes. And I do. The thing I really do also like about it is the fact that. This is something that basically as me and you have done this show, it has slowly won me over to really liking 
when I look back and I say, I like the 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 prequels. I now like the prequels. I, I like. I love the prequels. And you got to remember, for longtime fans, everyone knows I hated the prequels. <laughs> I don't know why you hated them. That's, that's strange to me. But nowadays, I look at the prequels and I started actually embracing them more because at the end of the day, this was George Lucas's idea. This is his story. And I like the fact that she brings up, she wants to know what George was thinking and actually add to that story. Isn't she looking at this from a very philosophical standpoint, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's why I'm really excited about this series. I like her entire thought process and how she's looking at things. And I don't think there's been a showrunner yet of any series or director of a movie that has intrigued me with their words as much as she has now. Well, these ones, especially with this series, dude, there's not much known about it with Acolyte, but it is one of the most mysterious and most intriguing series that in the new era of Star Wars has really garnered a lot of attention because people are like saying, you know, this, this series just got announced. We barely know this, the, the synopsis of, of it, but that's about it. Yeah. And if you look at all the other series, we know what's, what it's about. We know what Obi-Wan's going to be about. We know what Mandalorian. We have inclinations. We have inclinations. Inklings, inklings, right? Is that the word? Yeah. Inklings. With Acolyte. There's zero. We're not quite sure. Yeah. <laughs> There's zero yeah. inclination of what we're going to be told. Yeah. You're right. The writer of this article, which is taken from StarWarsNews.net, he has a thought here after this interview. And I'm just going to read it because I, I like what he's saying. And he's saying it better than I can right now. Or I could at this moment. From a narrative from a narrative perspective, taking influence from the Phantom Menace only makes sense. The Jedi Order has become complacent and is beginning to show signs of, a, of losing sight of what they are truly supposed to be. In favor of acting as dogmatic law enforcement, blissfully unaware of the growing evil just out of sight. He is spot on as well. We have talked about that, and that is what Kevin Scott started. Kevin Scott started this in Lost Jedi. Or, yes, he did. Uh, Jedi Lost. Jedi Lost. He started this in his radio play, you know, alluding to the fact that the Jedi at some point lost their way. Not that they're evil, but simply they lost their way, which does happen to organizations, groups, governments, uh, Boy Scout clubs, whatever. I, th- things happen. So... The fact that we're going to explore this aspect, and this isn't anything new, by the way. Like this is no, this is not the the Kathleen Kennedy Lucasfilm era trying to, you know, paint Lucas in this or his shows as you know painfully superficial, and they're now going to delve into the nuances of what <laughs> made the Jedi tick. Lucas was already working on this. Oh yeah, he was already working on the notion that the Jedi weren't exactly doing what they should have been doing. All they're doing, this new era of Star Wars, these writers and directors, they're simply fleshing that out, that idea out further. At least they should. Yeah. Well, it seems like they're doing that. The, in fact, isn't the entire High Republic era is supposed to be that? It's supposed to be that. It's That's supposed exactly to be what they're the... supposed to be doing, showing the stark contrast between the Republic era Jedi 
and the High Republic. The High era. Republic. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. You know what? We do need to go to a very quick break. And then when we get back, we will jump into more news. We'll be right back. Get more Star Wars discussions every month with the Back to Tank Patreon exclusive shows. From Star Wars comics and book reviews to speculative discussions and breakdowns. All when you pledge to our Patreon page. What? Go to patreon.com slash Digital for more details. As you wish. Free stuff is awesome. But free stuff that will spice up your bedroom is even better. Just go to adamandeve.com and select almost any one item for 50% off and then we'll load on the free stuff. Just enter this very exclusive code, Rain. Man at checkout, and you'll get 10 tantalizing free gifts, including a sexy item for him, a special toy for her, and a third item you'll both enjoy, and six extra special bonus items that are sure to rev your engine, pique your curiosity, Mm. and even blow you away. Plus... Free shipping. Always sent in discreet packaging. Go to adamandeve.com now. Get 50% off plus the 10 free gifts when you enter the exclusive offer code RAINMAN. Again, that's RAINMAN. Because without it, no free stuff. That's RAINMAN at adamandeve.com. Everyone to Star Wars from the Back to Tank. I am Michael, your host. Of course, no one came in here and replaced me. Of course, I'm still here, David. Hello, how are you? Are you still here? I am still here. Okay, so for those listeners out there, Dave, there may be some that are not aware that we offer additional content through our Patreon page. If you head over to patreon.com slash Digital, you can pledge $5 or more a month. And gain access to additional discussions. I say pledge because that's what they call it. But essentially you're subscribing to a monthly membership plan that by doing so will give you a plethora of additional Star Wars from the back to tank discussions as well as a wide variety of other geek eccentric discussions that's put out by our network Rain Man Digital. But we do uh, try to put out at least two additional Star Wars discussions every single month for Patreon listeners. So please help us it keeps us on the air it helps pay for the studio costs and fees patreon.com slash rainman digital also give us a review in itunes for some reason people just don't review i find that strangely odd by giving us a five-star review you will help our show pop up more frequently on people's feeds but we need those reviews please do so thank you Okay, so original Star Wars audio drama, Tempest Runner, coming August 31st. And guess who's writing it, Dave? (laughs) Our man, Kevin Scott. Exactly. Dude, just give this guy all the audio dramas because he did such a great job with Jedi Lost that I immediately got giddy with this announcement. There is no, like, you know, sometimes with with this new era of Star Wars, we find ourselves uh, being cautious with our excitement because we don't want to be disappointed. But when it comes to this and anything Kevin Scott does, I'm like, all right, just Kevin Scott and Filoni. I'm just like, <laughs> give it to me. I know it's going to be good. I enjoy everything Kevin Scott did. And he, if people aren't aware, he's actually the one who 
who's fleshing out the High Republic era. He's in charge of it. He's one of the leaders. And it was actually his thing. He's the first one to include it into aspects of Star Wars because of Jedi Lost. The story of Dooku and Sifo Dyas. And yes. they connect it to the High Republic era. Yes. And like the, 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 the really cool part about this, this is something I've been waiting for because I honestly think Kevin Scott could ha- give more information through audio plays like this, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to the High Republic, because I know that that's their big push. They want to push this new storytelling narrative of the High Republic. And I've always wondered why didn't Kevin Scott just start start us off with an audio drama? Yeah. Because that was his strength. It's he, probably how they should have launched the... The book. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, again, it was considered a... Was it a book campaign? Yes. That's how it was promoted. So it'd be, it'd feel weird if it's a book campaign and then there's an audio drama to start it off. So I get that, but they probably should have just left out the book campaign and said what it actually is and just call it a transmedia campaign. You know, various media being used to tell this story. Yes. All right. So landing the 31st of August, it's Tempest Runner, an original audio adventure by Kevin Scott. I don't have time to sleep, Scott. <laughs> what? I, well, that is weird. Hold on. Let me backtrack. There's some weird quote. I don't get that. All right. In this Star Wars audio original, uh, it delves into the cutthroat world of the High Republic's greatest foes, the merciless Laura D. I'm not completely sold on the Nihil yet which is the new villain of Star Wars that is taking center stage during the High Republic era. Yes. It's it's not awful. No. It is interesting. It's interesting, but but the problem is they need to flesh them out more because as of right now, they just, in their first book wave, a lot of people have been saying that the Nihil just feel like they're almost like an offshoot of a pirate race. They just feel like a generic they feel generic. Yeah. I don't feel like we fully understand the layers yet. And maybe this audio play is going to do just that. It's going to help us out with that. The Nihil storm has raged through the galaxy, leaving chaos and grief in its wake. Few of its raiders are as vicious as the Temptus runner, Lorna D. She stays one step ahead of the Jedi order at the helm of a vessel named after one of the deadliest monsters in the galaxy, the Lorna D. But no one can outrun the defenders of the High Republic forever. I'm definitely going to pick this up, Dave, and we are going to cover it. No, I I, I was ho- really hoping that me and you would cover this because, like, the High Republic has kind of kind of like flew under under everyone's radar as of right now. So, I I think people are upset because of social political politics that they. Lucasfilm included in the comic book series. I feel like that set a bad taste or put a bad taste in a lot of potential readers mouths because of uh, the pride month, the -hmm. pride month cover where they have the nine non-binary aliens and they're really pushing that. Yes. Which is silly in itself, not non-binary individuals or, you know, trans celebration that I can get behind. It's just the fact that it doesn't really make sense. It feels <laughs> it didn't. ill-planned and just an attempt to pander. Yes. That's my problem with it. If it was 
thought out better than I probably would co-sign on it, but it just feels a little silly. Well, especially since everyone kind of uh, was bringing up the fact that they're aliens. It, it, yeah, it, do, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this Star Wars actress, Dave, let's change subjects here. This Star Wars actress has pages of notes for future Star Wars projects. And who do you think that is? It's Amelia Clark. Oh, Star Wars solo fame. Because she is on board with this character, Dave, it's only, I'm telling you now, I'm calling it out. It's only a matter of time. The actors who rally behind roles and parts that they want to play in movies or series, they eventually get made. Especially when you have a big name. That's connected to that. Uh, Amelia Clark is a big name. She's an A-lister. Oh, absolutely. At this point, yes. And if you have her going around telling people that one of the greatest misses of her life is that she's not able to finish Kira's story, and she's going around telling people in interviews that I have pages of what her life was and what it would be afterwards, and she says, but I'm afraid, you know, I've heard nothing from Disney+. Plus." And then she says, so maybe I'll just write it and send it to them (laughs) and be like, hey, guys, I've got a few ideas. The fact that she is vocalizing this means it's going to happen. I'm not saying they have anything in the works, but I'm saying it's only a matter of time before Lucasfilm reaches out and and says, all right, let's let's do this. Let's do something. Yeah. I mean, I think and I think most of us would be very happy and pleased with this. Oh, especially since, you know, that hashtag for uh, solo two has been like gaining traction and suddenly everyone under the sun is now finally agreeing with what me and you have been saying is that solo was a good movie. Yeah, (laughs) it was a good movie. And the way it ended with, you know, setting up that relationship between Kira and Darth Maul. How do you not go back back to that? That is such a fucking huge, huge cliffhanger. That's almost like empire strikes back ending and we don't get to return the Jedi ever. (laughs) Ever. Yeah, it's 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 literally the exact same thing. Oh, no, it is. It absolutely is. Especially, you know, like you get the you get you got the inclination in that movie that Solo was going to play a huge role in like showing us the scoundrel element, the under underworld element of Star Wars, Mm -hmm. especially throwing in like all of the uh, the 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 titles of the groups, you know, the the forgot what uh, Crimson Dawn Crimson Dawn. Yeah. Crimson Dawn doing a story of the crime syndicates. And then um, Amelia Clark's character of Kira was going to be like smack dab in the center of it. Meanwhile, you're going to have elements of Solo and Chewie and Lando scattered all over the place because that's their world. (laughs) It just, it seems odd that we haven't tried to move in that direction. I feel like there are a lot of executives over at Lucasfilm who don't fully understand or grasp why Solo didn't work. It's not because it wasn't a good sh- movie. It wasn't because it wasn't liked. They don't want to blame themselves. That's the problem. And they only have themselves to blame. It's not because they were releasing too many Star Wars films back to back. That's not the case. It's because many people were put off by... The Last Jedi, plain and simple. That is why people didn't support Solo. They felt that they were uh, being, I, they, the, the fans felt like they had no voice. They were being mistreated by 
the creators and they were and given the a writers. bad bill of goods. Yeah, and because of that, people were shut off to this upcoming Star Wars film that was to be released or was released only six months after The Last Jedi, which yeah. created a division in the Star Wars fandom like we've never seen before. That's the reason. And rather than blaming the actual project, they need to blame themselves and their strategy because what they have in their hands is gold. The reason why so many Star Wars fans love that movie is because it was doing exactly what many of us uh, were promised. Like, or I should, I should say it was doing exactly what many of us had wanted because we were promised that we were going to get these movies with these massive crossovers and the introduction of characters from comic books and cartoons and put into live action form. Solo did that. Yep. Solo took things from Clone Wars, from other elements of comic books and made it work in this movie in a way that it shows that the writer of this movie, as well as the director, Ron Howard, cared yeah. about the Star Wars fandom and wanted to do right by them by including things that they knew they would enjoy. And it wasn't simply fan service. It was elements that would make sense when it comes to the evolving world of Star Wars and the Star Wars galaxy. Oh, yeah. And I'm sorry. I mean, like every every time someone, every fan that I run into tells me they haven't watched Solo. I'm like going, why haven't you watched it? Yeah. Are you not a Star Wars fan? Do you not want to actually see something that's Star Wars? And the avid, the, the crazy Star Wars fans like you and I, this is more often, more often than not, if they can look past their bloodlust and the Darth Vader scene at, at the end of Rogue One, more often than not, Solo is the movie that they point at and say, that's the best movie of the Lucasfilm era. Oh, absolutely. I always, I, I think it's a shame that even like Ron Howard did a fantastic job. He did a great job. He did a fantastic job in Solo. And in, in interviews that I've read, he almost seems disappointed. Of course. With Solo. Because Wouldn't like, you be too? I I'm mean, like, like, he, he did a fantastic job. He shouldn't be disappointed in it. He was put in a bad situation that had nothing to do with him. And he came in to do a job to also to fulfill a lifelong dream of directing a star Wars, film. star Wars film. That's what he's guilty of. That's it. And doing a good job doing and caring job. about the work he was putting into this. <laughs> this. So, all right, Dave Loki, executive producer, Michael Waldron has been tapped to write Kevin Fagg's Fahey. Fahey. To write Kevin Fahey's Star Wars movie as part of new deal with Disney. What do you think the deal is? Because they're um, trying to get Kevin Fahey to actually save Star Wars. Well, I, th- I don't think it's Kevin Fahey's deal they're talking about. I think they're talking about Michael Waldron. It's his deal. It's and his he deal. is being brought in to write as part of his deal with Disney. He is the showrunner of Loki. And he has also been hired on to write Fahey's Star Wars movie as part of the new deal with Disney. But regardless of how you want to put that or spin it, that's a good question, Dave. Like, what is the story? Because we've heard about this now for three years. Yeah. And it's not on the roster of upcoming projects. However, this article is taken from Deadline. So it's legit. From this year. Waldron is connected to Fahey's Star Wars film. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. He is also pinning the 
Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness film. Mm-hmm. So he's neck deep in work over the next couple of years. Oh, absolutely. His 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 plate and Fahey's plate is completely full with Marvel projects now. But it's kind of interesting because like in a, in an interview I just read for about Kevin Fahey's Star Wars that it's coming slowly together, even at the Black Widow premiere. He was asked questions and he just dodged them. He and they actually even stated that he was very tight lipped. He basically all he would tell people is, "I'm a big Star Wars fan. I'm very happy where I am." That was the gist of his answer. <laughs> Dude, honestly, we are in a pretty fucking great era We're right now. Era I, right I know now. people are are worried about the future of Star Wars, but I feel like they have they have turned the page on past mistakes and they're trying to write the ship because the people they're making deals with, for example, Michael Waldron, his overall deal includes of course, star Wars and Marvel so far, yes. which is also extremely rare for a major studio like Disney Warner brothers, uh, paramount, they make overall deals all the time, but Disney likes to really control their properties. So they don't always make these big deals these overall deals unless they have complete faith in the creator or writer or director, whoever it may be the talent, I should say, unless they have complete faith in that talent, because a deal like this is rare. And the fact that they have handed a Marvel and Lucasfilm, but not just Waldron. If you remember several weeks back, who else, who else has an overall deal with Disney? Ronald Moore. Ronald Moore. Yeah. And he already said the first thing he's doing is is pitching his Star Wars idea. <laughs> he, he's not even waiting. No, why would you? He's Come not, on. He's Ronald Moore. He's Ronald Debatably Moore. the best writer they have hired. Well, they haven't hired him. But if they were to bring him on to Star Wars, he would be. Oh, he's the big swinging dick yeah. in the room. Oh, no, yeah, he is. <laughs> I think he would be the best writer of every single writer that they have had involved in a TV show, a movie, dude, I love it. Maybe I love Filoni. Don't get me wrong. I love Filoni. Yeah. But if Ronald Moore is in the same room as Filoni, Oh my God. Filoni has to basically go, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to just step out for a sec. <laughs> well, listen, Filoni could learn a lot still. And Filoni, and that's the thing that is so good about Filoni and why he is such a talent and why he's going to continue to get better is because Filoni doesn't have an ego. Yeah. He's not thinking, oh, fuck this guy. I'm better than him. He's thinking this guy has a bit more experience. And uh, you know what? I can learn from him when it comes to certain things. That's what he did with Favaro. With Favaro. Well, even when it comes to live action, even with uh, Ronald D. Moore, the, the thing about Moore is the fact that he has, he has prior uh, work with Lucas prior to Filoni. Right. So how much can Filoni learn from that? Because yeah. like, yeah, he works close with Lucas, but I mean to actually get more information about the story that was going on during that time, during Lucas's time from Ronald Moore, who was the lead writer that Lucas brought in. Actually, Dave, they might actually have a relationship already because Ronald Moore was working on that defunct, Star Wars live action prequel era series yeah, with Lucas with at Lucas. the same time Filoni was working with Lucas on Clone Wars. Oh no, that's true. So 
Oh man, that's even better because if they <laughs> have it. a relationship, that's good. Yeah. So we'll see. With Waldron thrown in the mix, which by the way, he's I haven't seen all of Loki yet. As of right now, there's just four episodes out at the time of recording this discussion. But everything I've seen, it's clever. The production design is is mind blowing. Uh, There's a style to it that no other Marvel series has had. So he definitely has a flair there and he has a style, which I think would go well or marry well with um, or pair well with Star Wars. So we'll see. We'll see what the future holds. I'm open to all things, (laughs) especially if it's Ron Moore. Yeah. As long as it's not Ryan Johnson coming back. (laughs) I'm okay with that. Ryan Johnson shows up. Hey, you working with Ron Moore? I'll work with Ron Moore too. No. Get away from him. <laughs> I, I just was, uh, I was, was wondering, you know, um, what about my movie? Is my movie going to be made? No. <laughs> no, right. I Go thought, away. You know, writing's on the wall. We didn't want to be rude because we appreciate your efforts, but, uh, go fuck yourself. <laughs> you shit the bed. Yeah. Now go in the closet with Justin Ridge. Oh, <laughs> go into the Sarlacc pit, please. The Sarlacc pit. Okay. So EA has leaked some information pertaining to the ever-expanding and never-dying Star Wars The Old Republic MMO. Yes. They have an expansion announcement that leaked before EA Play, and I'm wondering why they did that. Why would it leak? Why would they let it leak unless there's a reason behind that? I know there's rumors of... No, not rumors. Confirm uh, Confirmation that Star Wars Lucasfilm is in the works on another MMO. So I'm yes. wondering if they're trying to create excitement so they don't see the end of their run as the leader of the Star Wars MMOs because I can't imagine Lucasfilm allowing more than one Star Wars MMO to exist at the same time, right? Yeah, especially since EA is coming off of two strong video games that they didn't even give a chance to but the two two games star wars squadron and fallen uh, fallen order weren't given a lot from ea but they ended up being some of the highly most accredited and also uh acclaimed projects that they've done up to this point for video games so a lot of people are like saying they leaked something just because they have to make sure that they don't make, you know, Lucasfilm angry. Right. Yeah. We'll, we'll see what happens with that. Because the way that EA has handled the Star Wars license is atrocious. Everyone agrees. Yeah. All video game people out there that know about the relationship of EA and how they've treated their franchises. No Star Wars. They bungled it the last five to 10 years. It just seems like they're not quite sure what to do. Lucasfilm in the way of video games. I mean, look at what they look, what they just recently. Oh, yeah. Talk. Look at what they just recently done with Lego star Wars. Yes. They did all this work on Lego star Wars. There was a lot of promotion about a year and a half ago. On the epicness, it'll be the entire saga, the whole entire Skywalker saga into uh, put into one game. And then they just shelved it. Yep. And sure, there's probably not a lot of excitement because you're dealing with the prequel era or the uh, sequel era now, which has 
you know, just left a lot of Star Wars fans who would be the ones buying these games. It just left kind of unfulfilled and unsatisfied. So possibly they figured it'll be less of an expense and a loss monetarily if they just sideline it and forget it ever existed. But if you think about it, and then on the flip side of that, you look at like the stuff me and you have covered from Lego Star Wars recently. So many fans have loved what Lego, the Lego Star Wars team has done. I think the Lego games are awesome. The Lego games have been awesome. The animations have been fun to watch. That last holiday special was a big hit for a lot of people. Yeah, that was super fun. And then, like, that's why everyone, like, looks at EA and says, you guys are constantly bungling. You don't know what you're, what's in your hands. Yeah. (laughs) It's, It's very strange how Lucasfilm is dealing with the video game side of things. I mean, in 11... No, no, no. In nine years, almost 10 years, how many Star Wars games have been released? Four. That's insane. Yeah. In an era where video games are gods, they're, they're, they're the kings of content. And I know the, the movie industry pales in comparison to the video game industry. I don't think people realize that. I don't think people realize that the video game industry is bigger than the film, than industry, the film industry and the fact that they have released Four games, and I know that a lot of I know a lot of Star Wars fans out there are yelling at me right now because they're they're saying there's more than four, David, because you have mobile games Ooh. and the Lego games. I'm like going, those don't count because guess what? You're talking about triple A Star Wars games. Right. There have been only four. Yeah, Battlefront One, Battlefront Two, Star Wars Squadron, and Fallen Order. And not to mention, all those mobile games have been shelved. Yeah. I think there might be one or two left, but they had like five or six at one point and they're just like, fuck it. We're done. Yeah. They only lived for about like two years. Yeah. That's not, that's not a very healthy video game. Not a successful launch by any means. Right. Oh no, no. (laughs) All right. So electronic arts has continued work on star Wars, the old Republic, even after the legends decision made it non canonical. Uh, recently, word has gone out that a new expansion to the game, Legacy of the Sith, is moving forward. I love that EA keeps pushing forward with this. <laughs> this <laughs> game has become the red-headed stepchild of it Star has. Wars. It has. Which is sad because the story in itself was fantastic. There's a lot of good things about this series to this day, Dave. Like, I'll pop it on and play for a few hours once or twice a month. And there's always something new going on. They have some event they handle this game very well. Say what you want about Electronic Arts. They've bungled a lot of a lot of things. But when they see a, when they see something that's their golden goose. Yeah. When it comes to this MMO RPG, it's they've handled it very well. I've loved the stories that they have written. I love the soundtrack. I love the designs. Everything feels legit. So an eagle eye reader from gaming leaks at rumors have noticed that EA's French website accidentally revealed a press release for the next chapter of BioWare's long running MMO RPG. Here's what it read before they took it down. And it's been translated from French to English. So there might be some English errors there. Things that don't translate well. Let's see on the 10th anniversary of star Wars, the old Republic BioWare has unveiled Legacy of the Sith, the next major expansion that marks the start of an exciting new era for the successful MMORPG. Legacy of the Sith will continue to develop 
the story of Star Wars The Old Republic in the ever-moving Star Wars universe, immersing players in a military campaign to capture a planet vital to their faction in order to uncover the ultimate plan of the renegade Sith, Darth Malgus. This expansion will also bring improvements to the uh, Star Wars The Old Republic gaming experience thanks to a new feature, Combat Styles, which expands player options and adds many quality-of-life improvements. Star Wars fans will have the opportunity to rediscover the award-winning story of Star Wars The Old Republic in the Legacy of the Sith expansion for the holiday season. Nice. Yeah. So the expansion will kick off the 10th anniversary celebration that will take place throughout 2022. I think I might start playing this regularly again. Again? Yeah, the, the, the problem with Star Wars The Old Republic was the fact that when everything was happening they started being more and more quiet about the old Republic. So a lot of expansions got missed. Right. And now it's kind of like, okay, we're not going to, not going to worry anymore about the other games. We're just going to focus on us, which is actually a smart thing to do because star Wars, the old Republic introduced so many characters that I think even like people who say that they're star Wars fans don't know about like Darth Malgus dude is one of the most interesting Sith characters, if you if people have taken the time to read the books, he's one of the most dynamic Sith characters I've seen in a very long time since Darth Revan. And it's amazing to me that basically for 10 years, the old Republic has chugged along and has hasn't been, you know, like shut down after just like what we said. If you look at like EA's track record. Two years, they're done. Oh, we're not even going to push a video game that that is going to be gold for us in like next year. But you look at the old Republic with Bioware, they just keep chugging along. And for 10 years, that game's been going on. And just like what, like what you just said, I'm, I myself am, am really interested in getting back into it. Well, every time they release these expansions or news surfaces pertaining to the old Republic, it just immediately gets me invested again because it's been going on so long. It's been running so long now that it gives me the comfort of knowing that, Hey, I can sit down and play and I'm not going to run into the chance that it's just going to be shut down right in the middle of me enjoying the game again. The Uh, fact that they have an expansion coming out next year and they are going to be celebrating the 10 year anniversary all throughout 2022. That tells you right there that this MMO is, isn't going anywhere no and you know what i'm really psyched to see the trailer for legacy of the sith their trailers are so good their trailers the are so good yeah <laughs> it's dude, like, their trailers are uh, awesome the last couple of expansions i've every time they make an announcement oh this is our new expansion i always watch their trailers multiple times because i'm like going i get sometimes really so many great narratives and stories out of their trailers so good. dude the mythos of this game, they have done so. They have done some awesome work with expanding the mythos, the mythos of the old, Republic the old Republic and the Sith. And unfortunately, this is not canon, and it never will be. But that doesn't mean we can't have some fun exactly. while we're playing the game. So, all right, Dave, this does bring us to the end of our discussion. Uh, I want to thank you, Dave, for being a part of the show as usual. Uh, but also, before we go, we do need to remind people yet again. Make sure you live, leave us five-star reviews in iTunes. Also, please 
head over to patreon.com slash Rayman Digital and consider pledging $5 or more a month. When you subscribe to that tier, you will gain access to all of our past shows that we have done um, and posted throughout the last several years, as well as every future episode that we put out. I feel like I can comfortably say that July will have at least two. We are going to finally get into the Rise of Skywalker novelization. I have put it off for far too long. And then we're also going to get into the more Dr. Afra. So keep your eyes open for that. Patreon.com slash Rayman Digital. Thank you, David. Thank you. May the force be with us. Ah, yes. (laughs) 